Okay, turn to 2 Kings chapter nine, verse nine, or 3, verse 9 through 20. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9 through 20. I'm going to read quite a bit of passages of Scripture. And then I just want to share a couple of thoughts that I believe God wants to drop in our hearts. Now, this is a passage where three kings joined forces to fight a war against the Moabites. Um, you have, uh, they're coming together, Judah, Israel, and then a pagan nation. And they're coming together to fight the Moabites. And uh, they expected to win easily. How many have ever fought a battle in your own strength and thought it would be an easy battle to win? You're like, God, I don't need you. You didn't even pray about it. I got this. You know, I got it, God. Well, that's how they felt. They're like, hey, we, 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 we feel like we can win easily. So they didn't consult God, didn't get a prophet to say, is God going to bless us? They just go out and do as they planned. And the armies march around the desert and uh, they're going to go attack the Moabites. But the problem is they ran out of water. And so they're stuck out into the desert. They're about to die. Their horses are about to die. All the livestock, every, everybody's about to die. They're dehydrated and dying of thirst. And they have a significant need in their life in this moment. They need a miracle. How many have ever needed a miracle? Say, God, I need a miracle. Sometimes you need a miracle because of things that happen to you. Sometimes you need a miracle because of the mess you made. And there is a difference. But aren't you glad we serve a God of redemption, a God that says, I got it, but you got to know where to come back. And I've never seen a quick fix. You know, a lot of times it's like, man, I made the mistake. I'm going to have to walk it out. But God is with me. He never leaves me, never forsakes me. So I want to read this and I'm going to share just a couple of thoughts. And I'm going to stir us up because the Lord, I really felt, I mean, he didn't speak to me audibly. I just said, what do you want to do? You know how many know when Tudor's not here, it's like, God, what do you want to do? I mean, you know, he would do that all the time, but I felt like there were three specific moments we're going to have at the end of this. And so just prepare your heart. That's why I'm not going to talk for too long. I want to create a moment. Uh, and I don't think anybody, you know, here's what I want you to do. I'm asking you to lock in, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And then at the end, we're going to flow. I'm not going to officially dismiss till after we ordain. If you got to go, go. Don't make a big scene. Just go. And if you want to linger and stay, let's stay and linger. And let's see if we can't break open heaven over this place and say, God, what will you do? Let's stir it up. So 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout, marched seven days. And the army had no more water for themselves or for their animals with them. What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? In other words, our enemy. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here? He knew where to turn when he was in trouble. See, I, I, I'm afraid sometimes when you get in trouble, even when it's your own trouble that you caused, we run from the source instead of to the source. And that's because you don't know the heart of Abba, Father. A loving dad never shuns his kids even when they make a mistake. See, you're, you're equating the, the bad relationship you have with your dad with Almighty God. God is a loving Father. I just learned when I make a mistake, God, I'm so sorry. I repent. Forgive me. Help me. And we see here that Jehoshaphat understands. Look, he, he wasn't right with God, so he's like, man, but we're going to inquire. So he inquires, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, he is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. So again, they're in the mess of their own making. They need water. 
Their animals need water, or they're all going to die and be defeated by this pagan nation, and uh, they're asking God to help them. So here, Elisha, in verse 13, look at what he says. Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me? I love Elisha. He's, he's, uh, he, <laughs> he's a little, he throws a lot of shade, you know, he's like, I, I don't care who you are. He's just a little ratchet, my, my kind of guy. He, Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. So in other words, go to the people that you, you, you were listening to before you were listening to God. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. And Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would pay no more attention to you. So in other words, so Jehoshaphat made a mistake, but Jehoshaphat loved God. He feared God. And uh, so he was going to honor that. And that, that's where I would tell you, too, when you love God, I, I heard a long time ago, Joyce Myers, I used to, my mom sitting up on the front row, and we used to listen to the cassette tapes of Joyce Myers. Come on, somebody. You'd be, it's like back then you had the bass boom, boom, and you hear Joyce's voice popping. And I mean, I'll never forget one thing she said in her tapes, and I've listened to almost all of them. Well, not tapes anymore, but she said, I think it's harder to get lost than we think it is. In other words, we, we're scared to miss God, and God will just redirect you and turn you back around. You know, so if your heart is right, it's like, man, okay, man, I miss God. You know, for whatever reason, Jehoshaphat was, was you know, influenced to do something that was wrong. And so here we see God, he, the, the, even then, the prophet says, well, because of this man who really does love God, look, I'll, I'll speak into it. So verse 16 and 15, it says, but now bring me a harpist. I mean, I've got to have some music. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. In verse 16, it says, and he said, thus says the Lord. Now, what I love about this is that he's going to give instruction, but just because he gives instruction doesn't mean people will do what he said. I mean, that happened all the time in the, in the Old Testament, right? Prophet would say something, they'd disregard it and uh, go to listen to other people who would say what they wanted to hear. Be careful about surrounding yourself with people who just say what you want to hear. You need a few friends in your life that you get mad at. That you're like, oh, I don't even like you. You know, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, just tell me what I want to know. And they're like, no, you're an idiot. And I'm like, get away, you know? But I want to challenge you. You don't always want to be around people that tell you what you want to hear. They'll tell you what your itching ears want to hear. And so here we see he gives a word of, this is what you got to do. Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Now, think about that. Dry valley, desert, about to die, seven days wandering. Animals are dying. The soldiers are dying. The kings and all their servants are dying. And then here Elisha says, I want you to go work harder. How many have ever been in church and you're like, I feel like I'm dying. And then God's like, I want you to go serve some more. I want you to show up for prayer. I want you to actually go to small group. I want you to actually, you know, so give more. It's like, okay, God, but I don't know if I have anything else to give. Yeah, I know you don't, but that's because you've been dry. And I'm trying to fill an empty vessel that has been dry, and it's going to take some hard work. And then look at verse 17. He says, for this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain. Yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This 
is an easy thing for the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. The next morning about that time for the offering and sacrifice, there was, now this is after they faithfully dug the ditches, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Amazing. Land was filled. Lord, we ask you, speak to us. Reveal your word. God, speak a specific word to each one of us. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. I know you didn't come here to say, you mean I got to work harder? Sometimes. Because here's the quick fix of Christianity. Just pray for me. You need a financial breakthrough? Pray for me. You need a healing? Pray for me. You know, you need a relational mending and a healing? Pray for me. You need breakthrough over certain things? Pray for me. Depression, anxiety, anger, all those. And I get it. And here's what I want you to hear. There is a portion of that where God will break it in the moment. But now what you've got to do is go live it out for the rest of your life. And so something breaks spiritually over a person. But then it takes more than that. And sometimes it is miraculous. It's instantly but I'm telling you, I believe we're in a season where God is going to send the water of heaven, but he's requiring his people to dig some ditches that it's not going to come cheap. Like we, we love McDonald's and we love all the fast. Well, we don't love McDonald's. Come on, let me check that. No, sir. No, sir. I ain't even gonna lie. I'm not. We love some chicken filet, you know, no McDonald's. What was I thinking? Flea devil. God, I don't want you to die from what you eat. But we live in a microwave Christianity, and it is this, I want an instant fix. But can I tell you, Christianity has never been about an instant fix. It's about a lifetime of discipleship. It's about saying, God, I'm going to dig ditches, and it's hard. Some of you think, well, God would never give me more than what I can handle. That's absolutely false. He will always give you more than you can handle because that makes you dependent upon him and his presence and his power. And that's a fallacy that God, oh, if it was from God, it wouldn't be hard. No, false, false. And so we want an easy, effective Christianity. And I'm here to tell you there is no such thing as an easy, effective, powerful Christian life. There's no such thing. In fact, Jesus said, die on a cross and come follow me. Like there's nothing easy about Christianity, which is why we have to stay in the power and the presence of God Almighty. The problem is you're like this valley that is dry. We come to church and we're like, God, fill me up. Listen, and, and my mom and I were talking about it this week about, you know, God, the awakening that God wants to bring about. And there was a day when we were raised in church where what would happen is you come to church on a Wednesday and a Sunday and a Sunday night. That's three times in a week. And, and there weren't all the voices out there. You didn't have all the, the, the Netflix and all the stuff out. You didn't have social media. And so what happened was when you got touched in those three services, and man, we had revival a lot, so it would often be four nights and five nights, and you know what I mean? But what would happen is those, those moments weighed more heavy in your life because it wasn't trying to drown out the other things of the world. But now what happens is we don't even come Sunday night. You can't hardly get people to show up just one Wednesday night out of the month. And then we say, well, God, why is my life so dry? 
Not to mention all the other voices that were, you're probably sitting in church looking at your social media, scrolling, thing. so we never even unplug. So it's not that God's power is less, it's that the world's influence is more. And so you become real dry and then you get mad when you come to church and then what happens at church is like, well, I felt it, but is it real? Absolutely, if you turn off all the other voices. And then you're gonna to have to come in to pray and some of, you know, the, the hardest thing as a pastor is to get people to pray. It really is. And, and can you imagine, I was talking about this on Sunday, the God of heaven lives on the inside of us. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. It's this is the God that flung into the universe, the stars, the galaxies. He created the moon and the earth. He created the water. He created every aspect of our life, us. He, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. How can we be pitiful? Because we never access his power. And that's the greatest tragedy. Can you imagine the devil sitting back and just saying, he's, he really is pitiful. The Bible says we will actually see him and be amazed that this is the one that deceived the worlds. And so he is pitiful, masquerading as all powerful, and we have allowed him to trap us in a cage of our own making. The devil gets too much credit. The devil did that. No, you did that. You're the one that has allowed him to cage you in because the power of Almighty God is on the inside of you. And ain't nobody can cage you in but you. We see that in the life of Paul, right? In, in all of the, Paul's journeys, he was beaten and stoned and shipwrecked and in prison and danger in the field, danger in the city, danger with Jews, danger with the Gentiles. And yet no matter where he went, they couldn't even kill the man because he understood the access to the power of God that he had. Here's the other thing too, if you just wanna be honest, he didn't try to build his kingdom, he was trying to build God's kingdom. Some people are powerless and pitiful because you're trying to build a kingdom of flesh. There's got to be a church that rises up and says, look, I, and, and I told my, my team, the, the, the whole pandemic that we've been through changed us. For me as a pastor, I didn't come to play church. I never had any desire to be a pastor. I thought I'd be an entrepreneur, a millionaire by 35. That's what I wanted to do. God changed my life, radically saved me. I was on drugs. It was February 7, 2003, been partying for five days straight. I was about to go out another night. We were on all kinds of drugs. I was in my bathroom and I saw a divine vision, heaven and hell, a fork in the road. And God said, choose now. And the presence of God fell in my bathroom kicked everybody out. God radically saved me. I believe had I not said yes to Jesus, I would have died that night and gone straight to hell. So I didn't have this, like, I want to go build a church. I'm just trying to be on assignment. God, what do you want me to do? You want me to build a church? I'll build a church. You want me to go out and preach the gospel in the highways and byways? I'll go do it. I just want to do what you want me to do. There's no agenda. And listen, sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong. But there's got to be a church that rises up and says, I'm willing to shake the establishment. I'm willing to say, no, that's not right. Why? If it was right, we would experience the power of God more often in churches. How many churches, how many places of worship you walk in and it is a valley and a desert of dry bones. If we're doing it right, you don't have to advertise revival. Revival's not advertised, it's spread through word of mouth. 
when people are being healed, set free, and delivered, I promise you this, God will bring them into the house. And here's what I believe. There is a great awakening that is coming to this nation that is going to shake the fabric of this nation, that God is bringing it to America. I believe because of the missionaries and the seeds that we have sown of revival all around the world, God says, I'm going to bring it back to you. Believe it with all my heart. Look at James chapter 2, verse 26. Dig in a ditch. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. See, we want God to perform a miracle, but we don't always want to do our part. You know, I was thinking about even your health. Look, you know, I, I've struggled at times with, you know, some health challenges. Or Phyllis, you know, she's diabetic, and she's not diabetic. She struggles with diabetes. She's had it since we were 20, and, and we believe God. We're asking God. We're, we're saying, God, touch her, heal her, let her live a long life. But I'm telling you this, you can't pray that and then eat terrible. You understand? It's like, God, heal me, but you got to make sure that you're following the regimen of what the doctors. So here's what I know. You do the natural, and God does the supernatural. Somebody says, God, give me a job, but you won't go fill out an application. I know, but it, you, you laugh, but that's really how we've seen it. It's like God is a Santa Claus, and we're going to ask for wishes, and, and God says, well, yeah, but you've got to actually do your part. Maybe you want to have a better marriage, but you won't go to marriage counseling. You won't get in a marriage small group. You won't read books about how to communicate effectively. You're like, man, we don't communicate well. Well, what man or woman ever communicated well without being taught or trained? You know, you read the divorce filings, and I, I'm not trying to make light of it, but it's like irreconcilable differences. Like, duh, she's a girl. Totally things different. So it's not about that. It's about did you develop the skill because you coming down to the altar is not enough to change your marriage around. It's a great start. It's a great moment. But now i got to go walk this thing out. i got to go dig a ditch so that God can water my life. And hey, let me tell you this, preparation for a miracle doesn't always make sense. Ooh. Can you just imagine, just live this thing out? I mean, yeah, I love to just get into the minds. I'm a pretty rational person. I'm a faith guy, but any of my team will tell you I want faith with reality. So in other words, I'm going to go slayer giant, but I want to know what I'm faced with right now. I want to know. I'm, like, I, I think I've been able to navigate both part of that. It's probably because I am an entrepreneur. I, I know how to walk in faith, but... Here's what I would imagine. These three kings get a word from God. And can you imagine them huddling together and saying, now we got to go tell these people that are about to die, their animals are about to die. They've got no more life in them to go and work, not only just work, but dig a ditch. Anybody ever dug a ditch? I worked construction when I was 14. Steve and I started working for my, uh, one of our mentors back then. His name was Henry Labrie. We called him Porky. That's what everybody called him. So we'd go out, and at 14, he told my mom, I'll put them boys to work. And sure enough, he did. First day, we were digging ditches. I didn't realize. I thought he said, I'll pay you $55 a day. I'm like, yo, I'm on it. And then we show up. And it's that, that evening, I'm, you know, I'm sunburnt. Like, I'm out there digging ditches. Like, this ain't where they had backhoes and stuff. You was digging ditches for foundations. And, and man, when you do that for 12 hours in one day, I came home. Man, I was red like a lobster. Uh, he said, hey, son, just do this. Just bathe in some hot water. That sunburn will go away. You'll be ready for tomorrow. And secretly, I'm like, no, 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 no. I ain't coming back tomorrow. What are you talking about? Come home. I tell my mom I'm complaining. I ain't going back. It's hot. She said, okay, sweetie. 
go take a bath, I'll feed you. I said, I'm going to bed. She said, I'll wake you up and I'll take you tomorrow. Thank God for a mama that made me go. Like, it ain't easy to dig ditches. That's when you're fed. That's when you're well watered. Can you imagine you're on the brink of death and God says, not only do I want a little bit more, I want a lot more. And then imagine this. Here's another thing. Depending on how well they dug those ditches and how deep they went, depending on how much water they got when God sent the water. So your half effort will get a half miracle. And then we want to complain and say, oh God, you didn't do it all, but did you dig the full ditch or did you dig the half ditch? So <laughs> I, I just learned, my pastor always told me, Jim, if you can take responsibility, you can change it. So some of us, listen, you got your half miracle. You've been blaming God, you're mad at God. And I'm here to tell you, God's going to give you a second chance to go back and do the full work, to dig the full ditch so that you can get the full miracle. <laughs> Miracles are hard work. Rarely do you ever see in the Bible where a miracle didn't take worth work for a person to experience. I'm thinking of Peter, you know, Peter and his wouldn't work. His was stepping out in a dangerous sea. Jesus is out there and he, he jumps out of the boat. How many know he had to actually step out in faith? How many know faith is through action? Faith is through action. The man with a withered hand had to stretch it out. The lame man picked up his mad walk. The blind man went to go wash in the river. The leper went to dip in the river. Too many people are waiting for God to show his faithfulness to them, but you're not showing any faith to God. God be faithful but I don't need to step out of faith. Stepping out in faith is when you step out into uncertainty. When's the, so here's how I say it. When's the last time you stepped out for God and felt uncomfortable? Think about that. See, we like comfort. So I mean, God's, God's not a God of comfort. That's not disciple. A disciple says, I'm going to put it all on the line. Disciple says, listen, I'm going to do whatever it takes, and it's either going to come out really well or it's going to go out really bad. But here's what I know. If I'm trying to build God's reputation and not my reputation, I'm willing to step out of the boat. Because if God fails, okay, God, I stepped out. I never forget us buying this building. If you're new, it's, we, we, we started it in 2019, and it was the craziest time to, well, we didn't know. But God gave us a vision and said, this is the building. We did the hurricane relief out of here. And we had to raise a lot of money in, in a short amount of time. And the Lord really spoke to us to go and do it. And right in the middle of our fundraising, we were supposed to close in April. March, we have a global pandemic. And I remember as I got up on the stage before in 2019 and I said, hey, church is going to be the best thing or the worst thing. But how many of you are willing to take a step of faith and see what God will do for us? I had a word from God. I, God spoke to me. I talked to our leadership team. They're like, we're with you. We believe this is a word from God. But here's what I know. In the middle of the global pandemic, when I started to think about my reputation, I started to get a little nervous. We put a contract. We said we would do it. And then as soon as I would get out of focusing on me and say, God, this is you. God, this is your fame. God, this is your glory. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I do know you're going to do it. You gave me a word and we began to take leaps of faith. Our realtor was mad at us because she, we, they had a contract next door on that land and this building with the county and the county actually had cash and we had faith. Wow. 
And it was the most amazing thing how the, the owners of this building ended up going with us. The whole story is a miracle. And she's like, well, you got the money. I said, we got the money. She said, it's in the bank. I'm like, we got the money. I never lied. <laughs> Tell me I'm not lying, guys. My lead team. Tell me I'm not lying, Bobby. I'm not going to show you my cards. Faith doesn't have to show the world my cards. I know my God. I know I'm a little crazy. And Bobby and Pavel and our whole trustees, we, we walked it out. We're like, God, you, we're really stepping out. But the whole truth is we're not stepping out when we realize the greatness of our God. He's looking for a church. He's looking for a family. He's looking for a marriage. He's looking for an individual to say, look, where can I display my greatness and my glory in this earth? Some people that are radical enough to just say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm going to step out and do what you have asked me to do. <laughs> steps of faith, steps of faith. You know, maybe financially you need a miracle. You got no money in the bank. Listen, what's the step of faith God asks us? To tithe. I know you got a lot of people go to different churches. But look, don't go complaining to God about your money when you're not doing what God said. Someone says, well, I ain't got money to tithe. Well, no, because you're not a tither. The, the enemy, there's holes in your pockets, in your purses. And so it takes faith. Everybody who's ever begun to give God the first and the best, you're like, it takes faith. You know, for me, I started when I was 12, 13. My mom started me when I was a kid, so I didn't know any better. You know, and so I've tithed my whole life. And I'll tell you this, I've been blessed my whole life. Hadn't always been easy, but every season. Sometimes it's manna, sometimes it's more than enough, but God has never failed me. But it takes a step of faith, because here's what the world will say, well, that's, that's irrational. That's unwise. Well, that's the world's wisdom. God's wisdom supersedes natural wisdom. I'm not trying to operate in the earth system. I'm trying to operate in heaven's system. And it takes faith. Here's what I say, try it if you hadn't. Just try. You know, I was thinking even for me, we were, um, as, as I was growing up, we owned a restaurant, real estate company. Uh, we were top 20 givers in our church. It was a pretty large church. And I don't say that to impress you. I'm saying something to impress upon you. That as a young person, I understood the value that I was going to build the kingdom of God with my wealth. But I got to tell you, as a businessman, when you start to step out, tithe is baseline. Like the first portion is baseline. It's like God... So, so it's like the stretch of God, okay, I give to a legacy offering or whatever the church has or even outside of the church. Here's my question. Do you ever give anything? And here's what I'd say. If we serve a generous God and God has not asked you to give something, then maybe you're not really listening. And I'm not just talking about money. Money's the lowest. Don't you understand money is the lowest form of generosity? It's tied to our heart, but, but I mean, my God, what, what about just compliments? What about just grace? You know, that give and it will be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together. So, so it's not just money. I let a lot of people like talk about money, but what about forgiveness? When's the last time you gave someone forgiveness? And, and you just said, hey, I, 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 let me just give you grace. Because we want it, right? Hey, give me a little bit of grace, man. You don't know what I'm going through. But we don't want to give it to nobody else. And that's the, so, so generosity ought to flow. As Christians, we ought to be the most generous people. What I got yours. You go through it, I go through it. We go through this together. This is us, baby. We fighting together. That's the body of Christ. And I believe God's going to bring us back to that. Yeah, I was thinking about this. Maybe you need a breakthrough at your job. It ain't fair. My boss don't appreciate you. Don't appreciate me. No, he ain't going to appreciate you. 
And that's okay. You know why? Because there's a spiritual attack. The enemy has marked you to be a person that gets harassed. And you think it's your boss, but it's the demonic principalities trying to rob you of what God wants to do in your job. And you've allowed a face to be the place where you point all of your aggression instead of jumping on your knees and let it be in the spiritual principalities of heaven and say, you will not rob me of my inheritance where I work. Here's what I know, man. When you put God first, so, so then he's like, well, I, I need you to work extra. Well, don't work on Sundays ever. I always tell people, don't ever work on, that's God's day. I'm going to go serve at my church. You can't have that. If he wants that, I'm going to go get another job. I'm just telling you. But here's what I know. You say, well, you don't appreciate me. I'm not, I need someone to help me. We're in a bind. And so everything in your flesh is like, I'm not going to do that. But here's what I know. The God inside of you say, do it. Yeah, do it. Step in. Well, he don't deserve it. No, he don't. But you don't work for him. You work for me. So then you come in and you serve. And it's like, here's what I've seen. When people will do this and say, I'm going to dig a ditch. See, I know, I know it's hard. I know it's, 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 it's laborious. I, I understand all that. But when you say, I'm going to dig a ditch, God will fill that ditch with water. The boss who doesn't like you will promote you, sit across from you and say, I don't like you, but I'm going to promote you and I'm going to give you a raise. And I don't even know why. I know why. Because he can't fight against the God of heaven. The God of heaven has the heart of a king in his hands. But you got to dig some ditches. Takes work. It's not easy. Here's the second thought that I have. Real faith believes big but is willing to start small. So the big, the big vision is we got to dig ditches, but we got to go grab shovels and start scooping that dirt off the ground. One shovel at a time. We like it all. Just get it all in one bit. No, no, no. Just one thing at a time. Little bit here. A little bit there. So here's the question. What are you doing that has big faith, but you got a small start? It's little actions. Look at Zechariah uh, chapter 4, verse 10. It says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. The small beginnings. See, we, we love, and here's, here's the fallacy of social media for my millennials, which I want you to know. Millennials, we love you. I hear people complain about millennials. I love you. You're our legacy. You have the longest shelf life. You're the one that's going to be here when we're gone. You're the one that we want to invest in. And, and so I, you're not going to get it right, but you got a church that will let you get it wrong while we coach you on how to get it right. So I just want you to know... That's the thing I love. We have the elderly, we have the very young, and I love how the older generation here loves the younger generation, and the younger generation loves the older generation. I believe it's a tri-generational God. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We need three generations in every church linking arms saying, you're going to stand on my shoulder. You're going to stand on my shoulder. You're going to stand on my shoulder. Here's something I want you to hear too. Belief and faith are not the same. See, because here's, here's what I'm doing. I, I'm going to believe big, but I'm going to start small. So real faith believes big, but then real faith has feet. Because otherwise, here's what I'm concerned about. If you think belief is faith, you've got to know that the devil believes in God. You got a lot of people that believe in God, but they don't live for God. You got a lot of people that believe in healing, but have never experienced healing. 
You got a lot of people that believe in the gifts but have never operated in the gifts. You got a lot of people that believe that God wants to bless them but have never experienced the blessing. So there's a disconnect from I believe versus the faith to walk it out. Faith has feet. Faith has feet. What I'm concerned about is that our belief in what we call faith is nothing more than blind optimism. Like we, 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 we believe he can do it. We're hoping he can do it. And then we're disappointed when he doesn't. And the whole time he's like, listen, you got to have big feet, faith, but you need little steps to get there. So, so let me give you an example. So you start a business. It's in my heart. I'm going to start it. I'm, you know, so for me, I always believed I was going to be a millionaire entrepreneur. I had this whole track. And what we can get caught up in is I'm not doing anything that's beneath me in this great big vision. So God's like, I gave you the vision, but I need you to go serve in the parking team. See, don't you realize that David was anointed in the field? The anointing of a king came on him. But he had 15 years to go live it out. So imagine that. So imagine, because here's what will happen. God will anoint you in a service. I'm called to ministry. And the millennial generation, and, and this is my concern, is you see the highlight reels. You're like, you watch T.D. Jakes, or you, know, you watch Furtick, or you watch whoever your hero, or Elon Musk, and all these people. And what you're seeing is the back end of a lifetime of work and diligence and starting small and not being too good to start something and do something. And so you want to go from here to there with no in-between. I've been training to be a pastor, what, 2003, almost 20 years. And I remember even through, through the whole journey, it's like, God, I felt, okay, cool, cool. But God never goes in a straight line. We want the shortcut. God goes zigzag. Okay, I'm calling you here, but you need to go here. And, and if you're too good to do the little things, you're going to miss the great thing. I'm too good to pick up trash. I got a gift to, to speak. Pastor, let me preach. You know, I, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to be a public communicator. I'm going to be a preacher, whatever it is. Here's what I say. Okay, th that's awesome. You're going to go into full-time ministry, but can you pray today? Can you fast? Can you read your Bible? You're like, well, I'll do it when I get there. No, no, no. Can you do it now? Can, here, here. I'm going to write a book. Awesome. Can you get in a small group? And, and you're saying, well, do I need all those things? No, but you need to listen to the voice of God because if you get this big dream in your heart, you'll think you're too good to do the little things. That will actually prepare you for the big thing because you'll bypass the process to try to get to the promise and the devil will steal the promise all because you were too good to do the little things. You understand? And I'm just telling you, let's just think about this. David, God sent him. He thought he was going on an errand for his dad. What a menial task. Can you imagine that? Here is a menial task, and, and he's one of my heroes. He's just been anointed king, all that. We don't know the time frame exactly. And Hey, David, go take your brother some food. Now, sometimes in this generation, what I've seen is, Daddy, I'm anointed. Don't, didn't you realize the prophet, he, he anointed me, not any of your other sons. Me. Tell me I'm lying. And then here's the problem with it. Here's the problem. Social media in the world will validate your arrogance. Because you'll get all the hearts, you'll get all the likes, you'll get all the love. 
And the whole time you feel like, see, Daddy, I got it. See, Daddy, I'm a king. I'm not, I'm not an errand boy. God said, I need an errand boy so that I can make you a king. You got to get off all this social media validation. We need to turn out the noise and say, God, I, I, I worship you. And don't listen to the people that tell you, hey, you need to go start a church. No, no, baby. If your pastor didn't tell you to go start a church, you shut up, sit down, and tell that other person to shut up, sit down. I'm not trying to be... But I remember even I was serving at a church in Stafford and a pastor we grew up under and I had people say, oh, I'm like, no, bro, I'm on assignment. I ain't going nowhere till God sends me out. And then pastor had a weekly meeting with me and we felt the presence of God and the anointing of God. Was it in me at the beginning? Yes, but it wasn't time. I would have aborted the, the promise of God, the power of God, this church, because I went out before it's time all because of affirmation. And when you have broken, unhealed people, we are so hungry for love, we are so hungry for the affirmation of others, it will rob us of the destiny of God. So here's what I wanna end with, we're ending right now. What is God asking you to do? What's your ditch? I think some of you have started on your ditch, but you did a halfway ditch. That's okay. I believe the Lord really spoke to me tonight that today, tonight is a fresh start. It's a new beginning. Some of you, it's like you've been praying for the great. You've been ignoring this small thing. And God said, no, get faithful doing the small thing. And I'll take care of the rest. Can you stand up with me on your feet?